Come on. Praise God. On Sundays, uh, Pastor Jim had uh, said we want to have some messages uh, in, regarding our, our, our founding pastor that's uh, gone home to be with the Lord and, and discussed that in our church. And um, I wanted to uh, do what the Lord had given me uh, just about uh, maybe about a day after he had gone home to be with the Lord uh, and uh, had shared some of it at, at the uh, funeral service that we had. But this is really the, the, the fullness of, that I want to present. Uh, several things went on, on my heart. I had to write it down as fast as I was getting it downloaded from heaven and tweak it a little bit so it made some sense. Because uh, you're seeing, you know, concepts that don't have words and you're putting words to the concepts and hoping you're getting it right. Uh, but uh, I want to talk today about the legacy of a father in the faith. Because when you ask who is Walter Healy to the Church of Grace and Peace, the answer is, he was a father in the faith. That's the correct answer. Yes, he was a pastor here, but he was a father in the faith. And uh, the people in a church, uh, church is people. It's an organism, not an organization. If it's an organization, don't join. But it's an organism. It's a living spiritual organism. And in that spiritual organism, he was a father to the faith, in the bre to the brethren here. Uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 1, in Philippians 2, uh, Paul calls Timothy a uh, son in the faith. Well, if Timothy's a son in the faith, then that means Paul has to be a spiritual father. And Paul also calls Titus the same thing, a uh, son in the faith. So there are fathers in the faith. That's the point here. It's not something you modern make up. It's, it's in the scriptures there, in concepts. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 15, the apostle Paul tells the whole church at Corinth, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, and that's not bad, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And an important principle we learned there is we don't get many spiritual fathers. For most people, it's just one, maybe two. We don't get many of these. And uh, Brother Walter Healy had become to hundreds of people a spiritual father in the faith. Notice I didn't say thousands because some don't want them. Some will push it away. Hey, you can't mentor somebody who doesn't want to be mentored, right? That's frustration. You don't force that on people either. God makes a supernatural spiritual connection uh, when there's a father in the faith involved or a mother in the faith involved. And uh, you need to recognize what that is. You don't make the person into something they're not supposed to be. Uh, they're not supposed to be your buddy. They're supposed to be a father in the faith. I remember one time we had in our Bible school a messianic pastor. He was a rabbi, and he taught uh, in a book of First and Second Peter for us. And uh, he was having some problems with some people in his church. They wanted to be too friendly to him, too buddy-buddy. And he, he was a little abrupt, the guy. But he said, look, I'm not called to be your friend. I'm called to be your father. I don't think they liked that answer. <laughs> but technically he was correct. Right? He was, he was teaching on Peter. He talks about that in Peter, about uh, uh, your leaders in the Lord's church. Yeah, uh, but when they don't want a father in the faith, that's tough. So not all received him as a father in the faith, but those that did, he became a father in the faith to them, and that's very important because the spiritual father shows us the ropes in life. In other words, the issues of life that we have to deal with every day. Well, how do we deal with this as a believer? Logical question. Uh, hey, a spiritual father will show you the way. Um, in our Christian life. And more important, uh, it helps shape our personal theology. That's a real biggie. We all have a personal theology, whether you like it or realize it or not. Uh, and uh, 
but the question is more of who shapes it. We don't want it shaped wrong, amen? I mean, you might have met them. There's enough kooks out there in the body of Christ. <laughs> They're not going to go away. Why are they kooks? Somebody shaped them wrong. There's a lot of bad teachings out there that shape people wrong. And uh, that cannot be accused of uh, Pastor Walt. He taught correct to shape people's theologies, myself especially, in the right way. There was a lot we could say about this, um, about shaping personal theology. Uh, he taught the body of Christ here at Grace and Peace to have a love for Israel. When I first got born again, I really could care less, didn't have an opinion either way. Uh, because of him, over the years, I developed a love for Israel and found out, ooh, you're right, I didn't even know it. And uh, he taught us publicly. Um, uh, well, I'll say, say, say it differently. He, he said to me, but he had mentioned publicly, that his calling was to teach the church how to be the church. That's rare. That's, when people talk like that, that's an apostolic calling on someone's life. Because not just anybody does that to teach the church how to be the church, you're a special guy. Uh, and of course, we know he had great understanding uh, on topics of righteousness, that is our right standing with the Father because of Jesus, on topics of grace. Uh, his personal life was heavily shaped in his early years in the 1970s as a believer by Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith was a great Bible teacher from England who had moved here to Jersey, and he was a profound teacher on grace. Walt learned a lot from him, shaped Walt's theology a lot. Um, he had an amazing gift uh, to read the Word of God in a very sensible, logical insight, and with revelation he shared with everyone as Holy Spirit gave him. I mean, in his very early years as a believer, uh, he would just say, I'm a reporter of good news. And people go, nah, you're a, you're a teacher of the Word of God. No, 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 I'm a reporter of good news. Because he was growing in his calling, he was very slow to say something like that, because that was serious. And, uh, uh, but obviously he realized, no, you're, you're a teacher of the Word of God. You're more than a, a reporter of good news. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's another important scripture here uh, to, to consider about spiritual fathers from Paul in uh, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 16. He says, Therefore, from now on we recognize no one by the flesh. Even though we've known Christ by the flesh, that is, he lived physically in their time period, we now know him no longer in that, we now know him in this way no longer. Uh, it's amazing here, we're not to know one another by the outward body and personality. Did you realize that? We're to know one another by the Spirit inside of us. That's how we identify one another by the Spirit. God is Spirit. His church is Spirit. His real church is Spirit. We are His church. So we know one another by the Spirit of God. Like, what do I have in common with people from cultures I know nothing about, that I can't even relate to? But in Christ, I can relate to them, right? As the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, because of the Spirit. We have this commonality onto eternity that we relate to one another in the spirit realm more than anything. Uh, even people I don't like, I can call them brother in Christ, right? Did you know you're not to like everyone, but you're called to love them? Now, we, that's a whole separate teaching, but, you know, in the Greek, that's a phileo love. Uh, if I like you, you like me back. You're not nice to me. Maybe I might not like you back. Uh, but we're called to have an agape for everyone, where I love you unconditionally, even if I don't like you. I'm supposed to pray for you like I would pray for myself. 
That's a calling, man, for us all to do. In the Spirit, we can do that. That's my point. We want to know one another by the Spirit. If we only remember Brother Walt as a man of the flesh and bone, we do him a tremendous disservice. I know he would not like that. Uh, we need to appreciate him as a father in the Spirit sent by Holy Spirit to us. And if we only remember him as a man of the flesh and bone, then you are going to grieve as the rest of the world who has no hope, frankly. Pastor Jim brought that out last week, that scripture from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that we don't grieve as those that have no hope. Now, we don't put on this phony smile face. No, we do have a grieve inside of us, but it's with, with the hope of glory. It's the believers hoping of re being reunited one day. Amen. This is not a forever goodbye. But your time here in our midst is over, and wow, we appreciate the gravity of that and what that really means. So we want to be a people that uh, live with the eye of faith in the Spirit, not those that live only with the eye of the soul, where I know your personality. Uh, I don't want to know your personality. I want to know you by the Spirit, because that's what really matters. That's how God brought us together, right? Yeah, you're seeing people you may have never met in your life. God brought you together by the Spirit. Therefore, that's the commonality that you share together. So we see Pastor Walt here. He's been a pastor, a teacher in the faith. Uh, he's been an apostolic leader to the body of Christ. People all over the world that you don't know about have looked at him for guidance, especially in Africa, uh, that couldn't be with us at the funeral. It meant a lot to them. Uh, it's important that we just don't remember him simply as a man of flesh, but we remember him as a man of the Spirit. That's the right way we ought to live as the body of Christ. So it's a logical question. They ask, well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul gives us a good key. He says that we have this treasure in earthen containers. Do you ever think of yourself as an earthen container? But we have this treasure in earthen containers uh, so that the extraordinary greatness of the power of, uh, will be of God and not from ourselves. This body is an earthen container, right, of our soul, of our spirit, the real us that goes home to be with the Lord. We have the promise one day of a new body. That's the fullness of our redemption scene. But um, one aspect of it is there's treasure in this earthen container, which are the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit that God's placed within us. And the job of the Lord's church is to be grateful to the Lord for those gifts that he placed here in Brother Walt, that he blessed the body of Christ through and helped mature the body of Christ through. Uh, I remember with great gratitude how uh, Brother Walt very unselfishly gave of himself with these gifts that he had within him. Because it cost him something in this life. He's married, has a big family. That costs when you have to also uh, have the duty of, I cannot do this, I must. I have to bring forth the gifts that are in me. Nothing else will satisfy me this side of heaven. And that's the truth. And he did that well. So I guess better phrase today, how do we honor the legacy of a father in the faith? Well, there's three simple keys. I kind of said them already, but one of them is we need to be grateful. That's to God. We need to be grateful for the gifts uh, that he's placed in the earthen vessel that we call Walter Healy. First of all, it's our gratitude to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for placing this brother in my life. I personally will say that, and I believe it. Thank you, Lord. The credit goes to the Lord. But second, we need to be thankful uh, to Brother Walt for sharing these gifts so freely. He didn't have to do that. 
He really went out of his way sometimes to really share them. And that cost him something, and I'm grateful to him to do that. I'll say more on that in a minute. But the third thing here is grateful to the Lord, thankful to him personally. But we need to remember, number three, these gifts shaped our theology. These gifts shaped our biblical worldview. So I need to remember what I learned. So if I remember what I learned and put that into practice, and so that it doesn't sit in some notebook somewhere gathering dust, Lord knows I got a lot of them, uh, but I need to live it out. That's the key here. If I live it out, how this brother has shaped my theology, then that's the greatest way I can honor our brother's life. Uh, because that's really what it's about. You're going to bless other people's lives in your generation, and then they're going to take that and bless other people's lives. And the anointing of God goes on from one generation to another. As uh, the poet once said, uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Nothing's really original. We stand on the old shoulders of giants, and we uh, have stood on a shoulder of a giant. Now, we need to be giants for other people's lives. Because it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And he makes you that giant. Isn't that nice? He turns ants into giants. I think that's great. Amen. He does. Yeah, we need to share freely as we are talking to the body of Christ. I mean, how many times here we've had believers say things like, uh, well, do right and trust God. Well, they got that from Pastor Walt, but he got it from the book of Ecclesiastes. So it's like, you know, it's all God, right? But it's part of who you th you're thinking sometimes that you start to uh, say forth, right? Now, if you start walking around, bless, you bless my socks off, all right, you really identify with the guy. Okay, I don't say that. But hey, you know, we repeat what we have had sown into us. In this way, the Spirit of God truly lives on through us in this man that has shaped our lives. Uh, Paul says it this way in uh, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. This is out of the New King James Version. I was reading New American Standard. Here, uh, Paul says, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need to, as some others, epistles of commendation? Epistle is a letter. Epistles of commendation to you, or letters of recommendation from you, you are our epistle, written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone or notebooks, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So when you look at it, the way we live our lives should be that you and I should be a legacy of a father in the faith. Right? You have earthly fathers, uh, hopefully you had nice ones, that really changed your life and blessed you. Aren't you now a carbon copy of them? Don't you now live your life of the values and things they taught you? that you pass on to your children. In the faith here, that's what we have with Pastor Walt. We're his legacy of a father in the faith. We should be living a life, a life that where others read our lives, and people do read you. You are watched constantly, whether you like it or not. If they know you're a believer, you're watched. And therefore, you're a letter that they're reading. Hopefully, they're not reading junk but they're reading things that are heavy and wonderful and good of glory. And uh, you're a letter that's being read by people and by how we live. So if we're his letter, we're his legacy for others to read, we go and do the same. You always got to remember, you're being read. I hope they're reading something good. Amen? Amen. Uh, so that's the greatest way we can honor a father in the faith. 
I wanted to today also uh, take an opportunity to mention some other things. Uh, it'll be a good time to say uh, things that we need to avoid as believers. Uh, when a leader would leave us, a leader in the faith would leave us and go on to glory. Uh, unfortunately, many believers uh, respond to a pastor leaving us not well. They, res they respond sometimes in error in how they think and how they act. And so I want to mention some of those that we don't fall into this trap. Is that okay? I think it's important. Knowing Brother Walt and the things he believed and taught, this isn't new. This is going to be him speaking too, because this I learned from him. Eh? But, but this is serious stuff though. This is heavy stuff that we wouldn't normally think about. Unless you're in pastoral work, you wouldn't normally think about this. The first error we constantly have, and we're not talking here necessarily about grace and peace, but across America, the pastor is the church. That is an error. That's a real error. Because um, uh, what we need to realize here, he's a ministry gift to the Lord's church, not the man, the gift in the man. He never liked Walt's church, Joe's church, Pete's church. It's not. He would say, oh, I'm a member here. I'm honored to serve here as a pastor. I'm a member here. And people just don't get it sometimes. I remember many years ago, back in the, in the 80s, uh, this sister in the Lord, really nice lady, I had seen her, and she said, oh, do me a favor. I didn't get a chance to give today in church. I think it was that week. So that Sunday, I didn't get a chance to give. Would you please give this to Pastor Walt? I said, we give it to the church. Oh, it's the same thing. I said, no, it's not. And I, I had made the mistake of mentioning that to Walt. He didn't like that. No, it's not the same. I, I'm not the church. I know that, Walt. I told her that. <laughs> I can't help if she doesn't listen. What do you want from me? She means well. She's a nice lady. But no, he was very big on that. I'm not the church. And he knew that clearly, and I 100% agree, you're not. You're the gift here God has placed, but you're not the church. So, because if we see it that way, we're going to have error enter into our minds, for sure. Uh, you know, sometimes when pastors have left the church, uh, people fall back and don't walk with God anymore. That should not be. Or they do strange things. Like, I've heard this happen more than once. A pastor perhaps moved across the country. People got up and moved with him. Well, that's where our pastor's going. We have to move there. What in the world are you doing? I mean, if God told you to do that, I get it. No problem. But whoa, man, the pastor is not the church. You've missed it, man. That is not what God is telling us. Um, another common error, number two here, is comparing one pastor with another pastor. Churches do it all the time across America. This is called playing favorite pastor. I got my favorite elder. I got my favorite pastor. I don't like this one. I like that one. Uh, that makes us small, folks. It really does. This is truly knowing someone after the flesh. And it's the opposite of what Scripture teaches us. Hopefully, we realize and should appreciate there are different pastors with different giftings and different ways of presenting the Word of God, different ways of relating to the flock. God intends it to be that way. We're not to be clones of one another, right? Uh, you're not, we're not to be like the same person. Let's hope we're, we're clones of Jesus, we hope, right? We did something right then, right? Well, we want to go there. Uh, so we definitely don't want to go in that direction because uh, you'll have people like, well, these pastors aren't Pastor Wall, so I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Come on, were you ever a part of the Lord's church at all? This is error. Amen. And yet it happens all over the country. Hopefully, pl praise God, hopefully never here. 
A third thing that you would probably not think of, which is a big deal, and that is living vicariously through your pastor. This is very common. The word vicarious, we don't throw that around too much. One definition of it is where we experience something through somebody else instead of experiencing it firsthand. Or we get victory through somebody else instead of getting victory for ourselves. So a lot of people get victory through their pastor in their Christian walk. That's a mistake. This is very common in America. America turns pastors into idols and gives them devotion and worship. That's wrong. That should never be. Uh, Anthony Aquilino, I asked him for permission to share this one time. Uh, he said, sure. Pastor Anthony, very long time ago, back in the 80s, the pastors here were talking about uh, the, the health of the church, et cetera, et cetera. I don't remember the conversation. But Anthony blurts out, you know, Brother Walt, the problem is these people live vicariously through you. And I kind of looked at him and went, pretty good. I should have said that, pretty good. And Walt didn't like that too much because he got, yeah, I know. We've got to wean them away from that. Because that's not the purpose of a pastor. Now, if someone's a brand new believer, that's going to happen. That's normal. But hopefully, if they're being taught right, they're taught to grow in Christ for themselves. Right? You have to have your own walk with God that you're not living through the pastor's life. Examples of that. Uh, well, the pastor will pray for me because they don't pray for themselves. Um, why do I have to read the Word of God? He reads it for me. That's common. Um, well, I want the pastor to bring uh, a blessings to my life. I can't get these on my own. So only the pastor has to touch them and pray for them. Um, well, I want this or that from God. Hey, look, we pay him. He's the religious professional. I deserve it. After all, I give money here. You laugh. That's, people actually think this inside, guaranteed. Now, we have a healthy church here. We truly do. But this is a very common issue. Boy, that is wrong. Right? Jesus is my victor. No man takes my place. No man takes his place. I got only one victor that I live vicariously through who conquered the grave for me and for you. Amen? That's the one I point you to. That's the way it should be. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, living for Christ is done through the pastor's sermons. They don't want to walk with God for themselves without the pastor. So then if he's gone, they're going to feel one incredible loss. Their Savior just went. Their eyes weren't on Jesus. We don't want that. I've said here many times, all I am is a roadside pointing. You've got to read the road sign. You don't read the road sign, I can't live for you. I cannot live for you. I'm a roadside pointing. Read the road sign. That's, that's all I can do. I cannot live for you. Uh, and uh, that's where, we, you know, we realize this, this, this person who we call pastor, hopefully they did it right, they got the right guy, he's got the gift of a pastor in him that is there to bless the body of Christ. That's what he's there, a treasure in earthen vessels. Um, so how do you know? It'd be a good question. How do you know if you lived vicariously through Pastor Walt? Well, the answer is you would be experiencing an extremely deep loss or abandonment inside. How can I go on in Christianity? How can I go on in this church without him? That's someone who has lived vicariously through their pastor. That's an error. That's a mistake. That is not what this is ever supposed to be about. And you know, something to mention here, I wasn't going to, I scribbled it because I wasn't going to mention it. So here's a scribble. 
How about fear? Fear is a big issue here. Big issue. You've got to remember, the devil's a liar. He has no truth in him. All he has is lies and deception. It's your choice whether you want to believe the lie or not. In fact, when you hear a lie from the enemy, you go, oh, thank you. Now that I know the opposite is true, because you're a liar. You're going under. I'm not going under. Thank you, Jesus. You've got to spot those lies. God doesn't talk to you like that. But the enemy's a liar, and he brings fear into people when something like this has happened, when a, when a leader has gone home to be with the Lord. Well, if that could happen to them, that could happen to me. Maybe, I, maybe the Lord doesn't want me healed. The enemy's a liar. That didn't come from God. And you know, you don't want to be cold about it, but let's be honest here. No man's experience is my standard. Only the Word of God is my standard. That's why it says in Psalms 91, a thousand may fall at my hand, ten thousand on my right hand, but it will not affect me. That's not being arrogant. That's just saying, I look to you, Lord. You're my standard, not somebody else's experiences. Because people are like that. Well, they didn't do good. Maybe I won't do good. They're not your standard. The Word of God is my standard. I am sorry for anything that happened to anyone in a wrong way or things didn't work out right. That is sad. But you're not my standard. I cling to Jesus. I cling to the Word of God. And Martin Luther said, only Jesus, only the Word, only faith. He was right. I probably said it out of order, but he was right. Uh, so you know, fear is a big issue people are, are dealing with. Um, and uh, you've got to be careful because if you're in fear, you can't be in faith. And it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you're not in faith, then at best you're going to be in hope. And that's not faith. And it's an old saying I heard, I never forgot it. You can die in hope. The enemy does not want you in faith. Anything but faith. Anything but believing on God's Word and clinging to Jesus. He doesn't want you there because he knows victory is yours if you don't give up, if you don't grow faint and weary. So, you know, um, I'm mentioning these things so we don't fall into these traps, right? What's the big deal today? Everyone's getting this inoculation, right? Because of COVID, right? This is an inoculation. And I didn't hurt you. You're not going, oh, my arm, this guy. I didn't hurt you, but it's an inoculation. It's an inoculation in the body of Christ that we don't fall into these traps. Uh, the evil one would like us right now to fall into traps as a church. You know, you know the most asked question in Christianity, regardless of denomination, what is God's will for my life? The number one asked question. And people struggle finding that. But you know, you know the enemy's will for your life? Easy, huh? Do the opposite. And you found God's will for your life. Not hard. Really not hard. And what would be the enemy's will for our life be? Division. An attack against unity. That's the enemy's will for sure. He doesn't like unity because we're in unity, you're strong. And he's, he's already defeated at the cross of Calvary. We want to see him defeated in our generation in the natural. Amen. Well, okay, well, which leads to my last point here of an error we want to avoid. It's, it's serious. Anger at God. There are people angry at God that he's gone, Pastor Walt, in the natural. There are people here that are angry at God for perceived prayer not answered. There are people angry at maybe other pastors because they believe they failed him. Or anger towards our brother uh, for leaving, and then the uh, evil one comes in with temptation to drive the Lord's church into division. 
You know, it's good to know, and this is serious, Grace Peace is a healthy church. Pastor Walt left a healthy church. He had nothing to be ashamed of. I've seen pastors hurt churches. This guy did not do that. He left them a healthy church, and that's very important. So let's not be like the rest of the body of Christ, entertaining errors at this season of time. Let's be the local body of Christ that carries on what the Lord has brought us through Pastor Walt. He's left his DNA here. Let's allow Holy Spirit to take us to a new level of anointing in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is how we honor a true father in the faith, folks. And I'm not saying this prophetically, but I want to in a strong way to say it. There's new things coming here. There's a new level of anointing and effectiveness that will be happening at this church. And it's always cool that no one man can take the blame for it or the credit for it. Amen? Nobody can. The Lord will do that. And so we just need to be aware of how God will use each and every one of us. God forbid there's a clergy and a laity. It's the body of Christ with ministry gifts in it to promote the gospel in our generation. You will touch other people's lives, I believe, in the days ahead as we have not seen before. And let the Lord figure out how all that works because we don't know right now what that will look like, but we know it's coming. Amen. And it tells us in the Word of God, we see as in a mirror dimly. But we know the mirror is there, and we will reflect His glory. Isn't that good news, I hope? Let's pray. Let's pray here. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for everyone today that's physically here, those watching now live on uh, airwaves, those who will listen to this in the future as a, as a uh, repeat. I don't know what to say. Uh, Father God, the body of Christ here at Grace and Peace. Lord God, I speak a blessing on their lives in the days ahead that they would not live as those that would have excessive grief, but rather, Father, God, they would walk in with the Father of a faith has deposited in us, shaped our theology, that we would touch a lost and dying world for Christ in these days ahead in ways that you will uniquely use us. Father God, here we are. Use us. Use us, Lord God. We do not try to imagine how that would be, but we believe you're faithful to do it. We are available, Lord God. Here we are, Lord. Send us. And we thank you for this, Father, for the healthy church that you have made through our brother Walt. We appreciate it, and we appreciate it because it came from you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Can you say amen and agree? Praise God. Praise God. Amen.